Everyone. Welcome back to Camden Cash, your unofficial Baltimore Aerios podcast on CamdenChat.com. I'm your host, Mark Brown. I'm Eat More SK on the website. And I'm going to be joined for the next hour or so by my friend Stacy Long. Stacy, how you doing, hon? I was not expecting that. I'm doing great. That's the closest I can muster to an <laughs> April Fool's joke. This podcast will be posted on April Fool's Day. I don't think we're going to do one on uh, on the site, but there was my there was my there was my really serious Baltimore accent for like. Well, it was impressive. So. Well, yeah, I've been thinking about doing that for like five days, so I sure hope I can muster <laughs> muster something about that. But we're actually recording this on Saturday, March the thirtieth, two thousand and thirteen, and everyone will be listening to this on the day before opening day. And uh, there's no more spring training left between now and the beginning of the regular season. And by the time you've listened to this, there will have been. One Major League Baseball game played between the Rangers and the Astros, which I don't care about particularly, and I will probably be watching Game of Thrones instead. Some of you out there maybe will have watched uh, The Walking Dead instead. I don't know. But we're here to talk about the Orioles. Last episode, we got all the thoughts from the other division people, and uh, now we're here to focus on the Orioles. Although, Stacey, do you think the Orioles are going to come in second... In the American I League think, East? I think, you know, I think they might come in second. You think so? Well, mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to come in second. I just want to join in the um, the second pa- second place parade that all of the other AL East bloggers predicted. All of them liked second <laughs> place, which I thought was very interesting. Or some of them said second or third. It's like you said right before we started recording. It was like nobody wanted to say, they're, yeah, we're going to win or, yeah, we're going to be bad. So it was all like, oh, second or third. So who knows? Well, and that's kind of the the overall sentiment about the AL East in general. No one really knows what to expect from any of the teams. So it's kind of, you know, a giant grab bag of who do you think is going to come in first? And will it, your opinion change in 15 minutes? Probably. I have seriously been going back and forth on the Orioles all spring training because some days I wake up and I think about it and I'm just thinking, oh, my God, there's no way all of that could possibly happen again. And, and break in the, the Orioles' direction in a positive way. And then some days I wake up and I think about it, and I'm like, just like totally buying into the Dan Duquette madness, where he's talking about, you know, like Jones and Davis and Weeders are a legitimate middle of the order. And, you know, some days I hear him talk about that. I'm just like, man, that could happen. You're right. It's funny. Dan Duquette, I always, I, you know, every now and then think back to how when he was hired, 
it was it was not by everyone, by a lot of people, was a joke. Like it was, it was one more on the pile of ways that the Orioles franchise had become a joke. Was Dan Duquette mm-hmm. getting hired, especially after everybody and their brother was like turning the Orioles down or like refusing to even interview with them? Right, and, and then here comes Dan Duquette, and he only got <laughs> the job because like his brother, who used to be the GM, who was a bad GM. Well, the Orioles were bad when he was the GM. I guess I shouldn't say he was a bad GM, but because uh, I don't know. But uh, you know, it was only basically because Jim Duquette still knew somebody to call and suggested Dan Duquette, who'd been out of baseball for a decade. Right. It's like psst, if you call Dan Duquette, he won't turn you down. How could that possibly <laughs> go well? And yet, the 2012 Orioles. Yep. Still, and I think it's... it's still hard to believe that <laughs> happened. And I watched all of it. And I still can't believe it. Yeah, I was just watching before we before we started uh, recording. I was watching the replay of the wild card game with Texas on Masson, and even watching the replay and knowing how it ended, I couldn't believe that it actually was a thing that happened, and I saw it. Right. I mean, we watched that game, and it still just seems like you know when you when you turn it on again, like you Darvish should throw a perfect game against the Orioles, and they'll just flail away against his his myriad of pitches and. Joe Saunders, and how could that possibly go well? And then, you know, and then Ron Washington takes out Darvish and puts in Holland, and they just blow the game open. And Ryan Mattis completely destroys Josh Hamilton. Yeah, those were good times. It happened, man. It happened. And the Yankees series happened, and they almost won that. It's like, wow. Yeah, I think Andrew Cut is going to need to get another year or so, not necessarily of playoff, but of you know solid baseball out of this team before, because I know a lot of people think it's a fluke, and I know that Orioles fans hate to hear that, and I'm one of them, but it's kind of true, like, this guy was a joke this time last year, and I think it takes more than one good season to kind of wipe the board, so we loved Andrew Kett because of what he did for this team, but, you know, we... I don't think that the verdict is completely in yet. Right. It's, I mean, we don't want to think about it, but there is yet the possibility that there will be deep regret for those five-year contract extensions for Duquette and Showalter, for instance. I think I, I would say I'm probably more worried about Duquette than Showalter. But. Yeah, I was really surprised. I mean, everyone kind of knew the Showalter thing was coming, although maybe not for that many years. Right. And then Duquette, when they announced that at the same time, I was like, what? Although, I guess... Considering technically the GM is supposed to be the boss of the manager, it kind of makes sense that you don't want the manager's contract to be running longer than the GM's. But right. the fact that they've got so many years was, I mean, it astounded me. It just seems Although, like, I guess the two of them just found some kind of working relationship. And I guess they are confident they'll be able to cooperate with one another. And of course, because that was one of those things when Showalter was first hired. And I think, what was it, the... Adam Morris from Lone Star Ball wrote about, well, you know, he's always going to be trying to grab more power as he's there. And, you know, I guess, you know, Dan Duquette, I'm sure, has to know that kind of reputation. I guess he just doesn't care. I mean, what the story for they gave at that press conference, uh, it was Showalter calling Duquette on, like, Christmas morning to gush about Wei-Yin Chen, a Christmas morning 2011. And, mm-hmm. and Showalter's just calling Duquette to talk about Chen. To, and <laughs> I, I just imagine there's not many general manager-manager combinations where they had any kind of contact or phone conversation on Christmas, and yet that was the the, uh, the foot that Showalter and Duquette were off on. 
So, I don't know. Yeah, hopefully they will be a great team, and it seems like to this point they are. And I think one thing that I kind of subscribe to is the idea that Showalter is not the same Showalter that he was in Texas or even, you know, Arizona. And it's funny, I was watching one of the televised spring training games the other day, and Adam Jones was being interviewed after he came out of the game. And they asked, I think it was the one on ESPN, maybe? And they asked him about uh, Buck Showalter as a manager, and Adam Jones basically was like, well, we heard the stories about him, but I don't know where that's coming from, because he's nothing like that now. You know, he's he hasn't been the control freak or, the, you know, that kind of guy, at least, I don't know, you know, who knows what they say on TV, how true things like that are, but right. it seems like... Adam Jones is really on board with him, and it seems like the players are really on board with him, and I don't know how many years that'll last, but he's been here now for several, and so hopefully, you know, it's a it's a kinder, softer buck, show, softer buck show, Walter, and maybe it's the same case for Dan Duquette, who was out of baseball for 10 years, a lot of which is a tribute to um, his abrasive personality. Right, which, I mean, you know, again, we haven't even seen that really. It's like he's just screwing around yeah. with people. Like, I don't even know to take it personally. The media does, because, you know, he's, like, having a laugh at their expense or something. But I don't feel like he's having a laugh at my expense. No, and as long as they keep winning, I don't care what he does. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. It's one of those kitten tacos uh, things, as long as he wants to to have him be winning. And, of course, Showalter, when he got hired, was... I remember... I just remember he said something like... um, he was tired of watching somebody else walk his daughter down the aisle or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, that's very easy for a person to say that, of course, but you know, I heard him say that. And I was like, man, he sounds like a guy who has just kind of mellowed out a little bit compared to how he used to be. Mm-hmm. Learned from his mistakes, maybe? It's like, you know, he'd been on the ESPN booth for a while and maybe he kind of liked that, but maybe he decided, you know what, he doesn't want to do that forever. It's time to have a successful managing job again. And, you know, thank goodness uh, the Orioles got turned down. Wait, what was it? Valentine was the first guy who turned him down mm-hmm. before they came to Showalter there, right? I'd say that one uh, worked out better for the Orioles than uh, than for Bobby Valentine. Yep. Thank you, Bobby Valentine. Thank you, Bobby Valentine. That's exactly right. And I don't know. Duquette, who knows what his, I don't know. if Maybe his act will get tiresome or maybe the magic will wear out, but. It just seems like for the first time in a long time, there's actually stability when you look at the organization, whereas it's not just like waiting for the inevitable, oh, this guy's going to get fired after they're bad for a couple more years. It's like, well, they weren't bad last year, so the clock isn't even counting down until they get fired. Yeah, this is such foreign territory for us, Mark. You know, we don't really know how to behave with a winning team or what to talk about or what to expect from the manager and general manager because, you know, we've never been there, not since way before we were on the Internet talking about the Orioles. Talking about stability, I just – there was one of the spring training games uh, they aired on Masson. They were talking to uh, the the manager from AAA Norfolk, Ron Johnson is his name. But anyway, he was talking about last season and just like – how in contact he was continually with the Baltimore front office because he knew and he was on board with the idea that, you know, he was managing to make sure that the the team in Baltimore was going to be the team that was going to win every day. And, you know, it wasn't so much about, well, whether the Norfolk's tides win games or not. So he was saying on the, on that interview, how like 
you know, he knew if the Orioles game gone had gone into like the eleventh inning or something like that, he might be getting a call and he'd have to, you know, kind of not use certain pitchers and just be aware of that. And it was just interesting to me to hear that because I just feel like there was not that kind of top down across the organization kind of mentality for a long time. And of course, that was one of the hallmarks of the Oriole way when it was Earl Weaver putting his stamp on everything that was to do with the Orioles and development and all that stuff. And It's definitely encouraging to hear stuff like that. I think that, and you know, there's only a limit to how much we know, right. but it seems like in the years that they things were going very badly, one of the gripes was that there wasn't kind of a universal idea approach to the game throughout the minors and the major leagues. So the fact that that the Orioles front office was in such constant communication with him. And I would assume with, you know, the other minor league teams, although maybe not to quite such an extent since their, their players are further from the majors, but I think that that's really encouraging and hopefully that's something that continues. Of course I make a joke about it every time somebody gets hired and in the press release, it says like they worked at the Dan Duquette sports Academy or something like that. And you know, it's just like, well, that's funny. Dan Duquette's bringing in his guys, but I don't know. Dan Duquette's guys that he just brought in last year did okay. Other yeah, than, other than it, getting the Orioles scouts banned from games at South Korea. but uh, Oh, well, you know. who really cares about baseball players in South Korea anyway? <laughs> I guess that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> well, you know, what else are you going to do? Well, again, at the time, that was one more embarrassing thing from the terrible moribund Orioles franchise, and then they uh, stuck it in everybody's eye and won 93 games last year, yeah. which was pretty awesome. Yeah. Winning erases a lot of ills, that's for sure. Yes. So what are the chances they do that again? And uh, I might even go and swing, in my opinion, just in the time we're recording this podcast. But one of the things we wanted to break down is maybe, um, and if you out there have been reading some of the things the national writers that have been critical of the Orioles have been writing, like our favorite punching bag, Keith Law, or any of the other people who just don't possibly think it could it could go well for the Orioles again, and they're just like, you know, basically think last year was a fluke and it's not going to happen again. Well, we wanted to think about, okay, what are the things that could go worse for the Orioles versus what are the things that we think could go better, and which seems more likely than the other. Actually, we probably won't have a very definitive answer for that, because who knows, but at least we can lay all the stuff out there. So, Stacy, the number one thing I think that could be worrying to any Orioles fan that I don't know that everybody is giving enough credit to as a possible thing that could go worse is uh, is the bullpen. Because they were just so good last year. And even if they're good and they're not as amazing as they were last year, that's, that's a problem for the Orioles considering how many one-run games they were in. And it doesn't take very long of... You know, well, it doesn't take much of a swing... You know, if, if four one-run games are suddenly one-run losses, well, then the Orioles aren't in the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think, to me, it is inevitable that the the bullpen is not going to be as good as they were last year. That's not to say they'll be bad, because I do think they'll be good. But like you said, even if they're just a little bit less good than they were last year, that could be a problem. And I think that, really, the, the answer to that, to keep that from happening, is... The starting pitching has to, you know, step up. And if it doesn't, then and if it's if the starting pitching remains where it was last year and the bullpen regresses a little bit, that's a recipe for trouble. So 
Right. They, they're not going to be as good as they were last year, but they, they are still going to be good. Like, it just uh, bullpens just being that good, everybody top to bottom being that good two years in a row, just, like, doesn't happen. And if it does for the mm-hmm. Orioles, then, again, that's some kind of, like, Dan Duquette wizardry that he's pulled off. Because, like, one of the things that I just take for granted about baseball, because I guess all the, the writers who tend to influence me take for granted, is the idea of reliever volatility. And relievers should mostly be fungible because from year to year they're, you know, some of them might be bad and some of them might be good. And it just seems like you couldn't possibly have, like, six guys all still be good one year and the next year. True. and But the thing is about the Orioles and about Dan Duquette, he's built up some solid depth in in the minors. And they're going into the year with basically, I think other than TJ McFarland, basically the same bullpen that they had last year. They and if some of those... Last year with Tommy mm-hmm. Hunter and Brian Matt yeah, being in yeah. their reliever incarnations rather than uh, starter incarnations. Right. And so I think that if those guys are bad, you know, Dan Duquette has set up kind of a pipeline down at Norfolk. None of them are really that impressive. Daniel Schlereth wasn't that impressive. Um, McCutcheon, none of those guys. But I think that, you know, they're relievers and they're volatile and that's the nature of them. So if hopefully the Orioles are prepared for that with the depth they've put in, even whatever, Scott Proctor, who knows? And so... You know, hopefully they're ready to address that if it does happen. I guess the guys I'm probably most worried about are like, what if Pedro Strofe just can't find the strike zone at all? What if he can't overcome the base runners? And then what if Luis Ayala does with the bases empty what he does with people on base? His, his inherited runners was just like it was comical after a while. Well, it wasn't comical because it meant the Orioles were probably going to lose, but... It was just ridiculous. I think he, like, 44% inherited runners scored on Ayala last year. It was like 22 scored out of 50 he inherited, which is just bad. Yeah. Ayala is definitely, in my opinion, a question mark. Luckily, Ayala doesn't, although we learn with Kevin Girk, it doesn't matter, but luckily Ayala doesn't make that much money, so if he turns out to bomb, there's not a lot keeping him around. Strope, I mean... First of all, I know, Mark, you didn't watch very much of the World Baseball Classic, but Pedro Strope was awesome in the World Baseball Classic. His pitches looked so good. They had so much movement. They had so much. He looked amazing. And I don't, that doesn't, certainly doesn't bode for anything during the season, but it just is such a tease because you also know that, you know, something goes a little bit wrong with him and he'll be walking everyone in sight. Right. Suddenly the bases will be loaded and he gives up a grand slam. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think the, you know, You've got Jim Johnson and Darren O'Day, who I'm very confident in. And I think between those two, most likely having really solid years, the the pitchers in the bullpen, the pitchers at AAA, you know, who knows? I think that it could, it could all work out. So we've come around to some of the things that could go better. Because like you said about naming for Jim Johnson, for instance, like if you think about it, all the Orioles pitchers who get a lot of ground balls, the infield defense – hopefully, will be better this year because there's not going to be Mark Reynolds and or Wilson Betamete playing third base. Like, just having Machado and Hardy over there is just pretty much vacuum cleaners. Not to say, yes, just not to say the they'll balls. get every ground ball, but I mean, <laughs> they will get more ground balls than was than was getting fielded uh, with, with Betamete and Reynolds over there. 
Right. I was going to say, I just hope that the ground balls go to the left side of the infield and not the right side of the infield, which will be manned by Brian Roberts and Chris Davis. I am not as confident about the Brian <laughs> Roberts-Chris Davis combination. That's true. Although Davis, I guess I'm more worried about him catching baseballs thrown at him than I am necessarily him fielding ground balls. Yeah, hopefully he got over that particular affliction since he had trouble with that last year. But, you know, he he went into spring training knowing he was going to be the first baseman. I'm confident he, you know, he's. I'm confident that he'll at least... He'll never be fantastic at first base, but he can be at least Mark Reynolds at first base. If he can be Mark Reynolds at first base and hit 30 home runs, I don't care. That's mm-hmm. fine. That's great. And you know what? Another thing that could be better is actually, and I don't. I, this is the one thing I don't think many of the writers that are that are kind of crapping on the Orioles are giving them credit for is the starting rotation is actually something that could improve possibly even significantly over last year because. The following guys combined for uh, 67 starts. Tommy Hunter, Brian Mattis, Zach Britton, and Jake Arrieta. The lowest ERA for those four guys was 5.16, which was Britton. And the highest was Arrieta with a 6.13. And that's about 40% of the team starts, or basically that was two spots of the rotation for the entire season, was that quartet of awful once promising young pitching prospects like that was just awful it was a disaster for two two-fifths of the season the rotation was a disaster just absolute disaster so it doesn't take much like even if you substitute in decent pitcher like somebody at way in chen's level of last year where he had a 402 era that's it's cutting a lot of runs out of your uh that, that you've given up so then maybe if the bullpen isn't quite as good, well, if the rotation is that much better, then, hey, you've evened it out, sort of. Yeah, I think <clears throat> taking out those guys is definitely a boon to the to the rotation. Well, of course, Jerry Carrietta's in the Well, he's rotation, still there, but, but maybe, you know, maybe, maybe that means he's better. Maybe this is the year for him. <laughs> maybe I was just a year <laughs> early on Jerry Carrietta. Yeah, I just maybe. got on there too early. But I think that the, the thing that frightens me about the rotation that even the guys that were that were good last year, they have little to no track record of being good, and so it's frightening to imagine what might happen if they can't do it again this year. So you know, Chen was good in the Japanese league, but we've seen players come over from there and have a good season, and then who knows what happens to them. Gonzalez was you know basically out of baseball. <laughs> Hamill has been around a lot of years, but this is the first year. I know that there have been, you know, substantive changes to his repertoire, which is why he's credited with being better, but he still only has the one year of doing that. So I think that they have the potential to be quite a bit better than they were last year, but I think they're a wi- they're really a wild card, you know. I have no idea what to expect from them. Stacy, here's one time I'm trying to seize on some optimism, and you can't even I'm go sorry. Look at that. Look – you, you hear you people hear this. I, That's what you get. You all know. Optimistic. You all know. I'm I'm the ultimate pessimist, and here I'm the optimist, and Stacy's not. But you're not wrong because, like you said, I mean, maybe there's a reason Miguel Gonzalez was located in the Mexican league. Like really, well, you know, we got to be real about that. And maybe Jason Hamill will have some kind of weird knee problem again. And for instance, our Camden chat preseason contest. We had the over/under on innings for Jason Hamill at 170.5 when uh, 
the most he's ever thrown in his career is 177 and two thirds. So, you know, if you're counting on Jason Hamill, and, oh, and 155 out of 244 people took the over on that, which I don't know. I was surprised that one wasn't more balanced. Yeah, me too. I think I was I was expecting some people to worry about his knee, and I mean. By all accounts, he's totally healthy now, and so hopefully that will will stay, and hopefully he'll pitch 200 innings. Yeah, like maybe with he'll a three have and a half, career year. You know, with a three-and-a-half ERA, and maybe Chen will be just as awesome as he was, and maybe Gonzalez really is, a, you know, was the gem in the rough, and maybe Tillman actually got his act together, and maybe you were just a year early on Jake Arrieta, and maybe it will be awesome, but there's just... And then, as long as we're really going down this fantasy world, <laughs> then you're going to be talking about, well, what if Dylan Bundy and Kevin Gossman are being awesome in AAA and they're forcing their way up, and who's going to get shuffled aside? And wow, what can they trade? No, that's not going to happen. But it'd be pretty yeah, awesome if it did. We were talking about um, uh, Ken and Chatter terrorist fist jab put up that promotion minor league promotions post, and one of them is the Manny Machado Garden Gnome in Bowie in Why August. Why can't they do a Garden Gnome in Baltimore? If they can I don't know, but I was, talk- I was talking. I was talking about it, and I was like, oh, they're gonna have you know between the Garden Gnome and Dylan Bundy and and Kevin Gossman and uh, and Paul, who I was talking to, was like, Dylan Bundy and Kevin Gossman aren't gonna be in Bowie in August. And I said, maybe the starting rotation will be so good that there's nowhere else for them to go. And then we both had a good laugh. Well, at least they'll be in Norfolk by then. <laughs> maybe. Well, you think they're going to keep Gossman in AA so, like, Zach Clark can get starts in Norfolk? Come on. I feel like they they jump from Bowie to the majors all the time. AAA is not what it used to That's be. That's true. That's a good point. But anyway. And AAA is going to be the likes of, I don't know, Steve Johnson and Jire Jurgens. Mm-hmm. I think as long as we're being optimistic for where places that, you know, the Orioles could improve, I think that they couldn't probably do any worse in left field than they did last year. You know, before Nate McLeod came up and was amazingly better than anyone imagined he could be, left field was a black hole. It was really bad. Like, you kind of block that out of your memory or something, like the combination of players out there, like Steve Tollison and Lou Ford and... Just uh, wasn't a pretty yeah, well, wasn't a pretty scenario. No, but I think that if you know, Andy, if, Andy if, Chavez, I almost blocked oh, out of my memory entirely. I, forgot I completely about forgot about I him. I think he signed with the Mariners. Um, I don't know. Anyway, but I think that if Nate McLeod can keep up any semblance of what he did last year, and if Nolan Rymel can stay healthy for most of the season, left field, I mean, it would be the equivalent of signing a, a good free agent just having Reimold playing the entire season. And that could really, you know, that could really do a lot for the Orioles because left field last year was just, oy, not good. Like you said about Nolan last year, it was 16 awesome games. Mm-hmm. I was re-listening to our, our All-Star Break podcast from last year, and Andrew and I were making fun of you because you, we brought up Nolan, and you said, 16 awesome games? Well, it was true. It was 16 awesome games. It would be great if he could play 160 awesome games. Well, that's probably optimistic, even even in the optimistic world for no Yeah, we'll give him 140. 140 awesome games would be... Uh, <laughs> that would be the optimistic scenario, I think. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I still I still want to believe in Nolan, even if our Nolan Reimold movie project is never going to happen. But Yeah, what could have been? It's, uh, you know, 
I like Nolan. I he you know he was one of my part of one of my favorite baseball moments when he hit the walk off home run and against the Blue Jays in extra innings. That was a good game. Nolan was a big part of that, and uh, you know what? I just always want him to be good. And mm-hmm. you know, he's been good when he hasn't been hurt or dealing with serious personal off the field drama. So uh, hopefully the drama has subsided, and uh, hopefully the injuries have subsided, and. Maybe we'll finally get the Nolan we always streamed about. I sure hope so. I really hope so, too. Um, our our Canva chat contest entrants are more believing in Nolan than not, I would say, because we had a, a question that was Nolan Reimold games played versus Nolan Reimold days on the DL. And uh, about three-fourths of the respondents picked Nolan Reimold games played. Yep, people are very optimistic in the preseason contest. There, it's true. As... Uh, as we saw about two years ago, when we had the full slate of player predictions, and some of those were absurd. <laughs> I don't have any of those in front of me right now, but just just trust yeah. me when I say there was there, there was some absurd aggregate predictions uh, for for players. I think we ended up like collectively predicting like five thirty home run guys or something like that. It was something stupid, or, or like eight twenty home run guys. It, it was uh, not Camden Chat Collective Wisdom's finest hour. But anyway, you yeah. know, you know, that's why we don't do those anymore. No, that, that, yeah, it was a lot of work, and we weren't very good at it. And uh, well, and plus there was just this huge discrepancy between like the first thread you put up and the last one. Like people were tired yeah. of it. The last guy got like three predictions compared to like a hundred for the first one or something like that. Anyway, but you know what else could be better? JJ Hardy because his bat was terrible last year. Well, not terrible, sort of terrible. Terrible. His, I mean, he hit 22 home runs, but other than right, that, his on base percentage was terrible. And uh, so if his on-base percentage is not terrible, that makes up a lot. Yes, and I think in my very scientific, you know, examination of J.J. Hardy's stats, he seems to be an every-other-year kind of guy. So maybe after being a 2A2 OBP this year, he'll be back up over, you know, at least over 300. Guess the 310 he gave us uh, in 2011. Three ten is not great, but it's a heck of a lot better than two eighty. And luckily, it seems like he will be batting further down in the lineup, where such an on base percentage won't hurt the team so much. Yeah, the spring lineups uh, have not had JJ Hardy in the number two spot, which is good because last year he grounded into so many double plays it was silly. After a while, he had twenty one double play ground balls last year. That's that was painful. It was painful. Yeah. So, you know, if he's like the seventh hitter instead of the second hitter, that's better. Speaking of surprises with the lineup, Stacey, I am surprised that they seem to have put Brian Roberts ninth. Uh, It's already been announced that he's going to bat there on opening day, and they aren't saying he will beyond that, but probably he will. Yeah, I think it's great that they're going to um, have Brian Stark down there. And, you know, if he does hit well enough to get a leadoff spot, then that would be amazing and awesome, and I look forward to it. But I am very pleasantly surprised that that's what they're doing because I thought that he, they would just stick him right back at the top of the lineup and wait for him to fail his way out of it rather than prove that he belongs back there. Yeah, like, I th- and we've talked about this before. If there was one spot where I expected the Dan Duquette unsentimental train to uh, to not keep going, I thought it would be Roberts and... Because it just seems like every time they talk about him, they're just like, you know, so overly optimistic about him and all this. And I was like, you know, it just seemed like they were just going to, 
like you just said, fail his make him fail his way out of the leadoff spot, which would be uncomfortable for a few weeks while that was sorting out. But instead, if they're making him earn his way up, then it's like you know, even it, even even the one guy I thought, well, they won't make the hard choice on Roberts. Well, nope, just like that. He's the ninth hitter. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a lot easier to. I mean, there hasn't. I haven't seen anyone fan wise, you know, fan base wise, be disappointed in that decision. No. But it, it seems to me like in a year when maybe if the Orioles had lost, you know, ninety games last year, then that would be the kind of thing that we would cling to, kind of like, well, Ryan Roberts is back. You know, he's back, and the Orioles have a leadoff hitter again. Right, but the, the Orioles don't need have proven, and no offense to Brian Roberts. But they proved last year that they don't need Brian Roberts at the top of the lineup. So if he is the same old Brian Roberts and he can get there, then, you know, that's great. But if not, you know, we have more important things to do, and that's make sure the lineup is set up to win. That would, if, if he somehow was back to the old Brian Roberts, or even even the slightly older facsimile of the previous Brian mm-hmm. Roberts, I mean, that would just be such a boost, because, like, I mean, I I consider that so unlikely. I'm not even filing that under a thing that could go better for the Orioles. Like the best case scenario is right for me, is Brian Roberts performs about the level of the second base platoon last year with the likes of Robert Andino and Omar Quintanilla and Ryan Flaherty for that matter. Like that just seems like the best case scenario to me is he's just sort of equal to those guys, which mm-hmm. was which no no great combination of players right and anything he can give over that is, is really great. gravy i mean i have no idea how much that's going to be but i mean you know and robert says all the right things whenever they've asked him about it he's he'll say like as long as i'm not batting 10th which actually i kind of thought was weird because you know if you bat first you're also batting 10th because it cycles Mark. back around like that but, only you would think that i'm just saying Okay. It doesn't make any sense. But anyway, that's what he always says. And I, I know what he means, but of course I can't stop being literal. <laughs> but if we if we wanted to be afraid, Stacey, there's a few other things we might be afraid of. And probably the most for you and I is if Nick Markakis' injury thing doesn't get well enough in time for him to play well. Yes, I'm worried about him. You know, he is back. He's been He played in some spring training games. He's going to be on the team opening day. But, you know, back injuries frighten me. And the reason is because, as you saw, we all saw with Nolan Reimold and we've seen with other players, it's hard for them to completely heal sometimes. And it's no offense to Steve Pierce, who, you know, locked down the last roster spot today. Team Steve lives on. But he's no Nick Markakis. And if the team is forced to spend um, a great deal of the season with Steve Pierce or Connor Jackson or something like that in the lineup instead of, Nick, then it's really going to take its toll. Yeah, and I mean, they were already talking about, well, he's he's not going to be 100% on opening day because it takes 8 to 10 weeks to be 100%. And it's like, you know, if you're not even starting at 100%, that's worrisome to me. I mean, I'm sure he will give 100% of whatever he has all the time because right. he's Nick Markakis. But I, I'm never entirely sure how much that's going to be because he's just had such a weird trajectory to his career as I have brought up before on this podcast and we'll probably bring up again it's just I don't understand how he went from 
2008, where he had a 491 slugging percentage down to a 406 slugging percentage in 2011, when he was supposed to be moving into and through his prime years of his career, Mm -hmm. if you follow the traditional aging curve that Dan Duquette loves to cite, for instance, for uh, Adam Jones and Chris Davis and Matt Wieters. But Nick Markakis was like the antithesis of all that with a declining slugging percentage every year from when he was 24 until when he was 28. 2012 was the first year where his slugging percentage had gone up in the last five years. So I don't know what that means for 2013. Like, is he going to, is he going to be like last year with the 298 batting average, 363 on base, 471 slugging, maybe even a tiny bit better than that? That would be awesome. What if he goes back to this, you know, 284 batting average, 351 on base, 406 slugging percentage? That's, that's not as good. Right, and I think that if you're playing hurt, like, and not hurt in a way that he shouldn't be on the field maybe, but just playing because he's not symptom-free from his, his injury in his back, right. then that who knows how that could affect him. It would, I would think it would most certainly sap his power, that you know, so that's a little <clears throat> frightening to imagine. But hopefully, you know, while he's getting back up to 100%, he'll still be able to to get on base. That's something he has always done, at least, is get on base a right. lot. Nick Markakis is one of those guys where you can maybe honestly say he knows the strike zone better than the umpires do. Right. And sometimes he gets a little pissy about it when they don't make the calls. Right. When when he gets kind of screwed over by the this, this six-inch expanded strike zone against left-handed batters because the umpire set up in a bad spot and he just always rings up that spot. And Nick will never swing. Nope, he will not adapt. He will not. He will not adapt (laughs) for good or for ill. Stubbornly refuses to offer it those sorts of pitches. So that, I mean, that's a good skill for him. But what kind of power will he bring to that? And honestly, I never really know what to make about Nick Markakis in the field these days. Like, he didn't win the gold glove when he deserved one. And now people keep talking about him like maybe he should deserve one when he's like, doesn't have arm strength anymore. And I don't know what the deal is with that. Yeah, his he used to have that rocket for an arm and so accurate. Like it wasn't even just Orioles fans being homers about it. Like legitimately, he had a, an extremely strong and accurate arm. Mhm. And then there was like, I want to say it was like Easter 2011, where the the winning run, well, the Orioles blew that game in extra innings, if I remember right, after a rain delay, and uh, the winning run was like. Derek Jeter scored on a sack fly or something like that. And I, it, there was just no way it should have been deep enough for somebody to score on Nick Markakis. And then he threw like a four hopper up the third baseline. And that was the, the winning run. It's just like, man, I miss Nick Markakis's cannon. And I don't know where it went. Because again, he's, he's, he was going through the prime of his career, according to the traditional curve of aging for baseball players. And what happened there? I don't know. I will never understand it. Yeah, I mean, I like Nick Markakis. I think he is an asset to the team. It's a little disappointing that he never became the star that we kind of thought he would be about four years ago. But having him on the field is definitely better than not having him on the field, giving our alternatives. It's it's better than having Chris Davis play right field. Right, so it's important that he he stays healthy. And I don't even know who plays first base if Chris Davis is in right field right now. Yeah, that is probably Steve Pierce. And then the designated hitter is, I don't know, Ryan Flaherty? <laughs> or maybe McLeod plays left field and Nolan. Yeah, that's what I would say, McLeod and Nolan. And plus, if Nick's on the DL, then they would probably call up somebody else, like Connor Jackson or something like that. That's true. 
So anyway, we we, we want to see a healthy neck, and of course, so do, so do all of you out there. But it's it's not a sure thing, so we can't just be sure that he's going to be better than last year or as good as last year. I guess one thing that might be worse than last year, actually, neither Stacy and I think this is going to be worse than last year because we didn't actually think it was good last year. Was Mark Reynolds at first base because people, Mark Reynolds was not a good defender at first base. He just made it look pretty with his swan dives. Right, no matter what Gary Thorne tells you, how much he exclaims. Like it was exciting when he had the full extension, and he, you know, saved a ball from getting thrown away. But it, he only looked like that probably because he was a third baseman, and he had poor fundamentals as a first baseman. Right. Just falling down and landing on the ball does not mean that you made a great diving stop. It, right. It just means that was your last desperate act <laughs> to try to save what maybe should have been a routine play. Right. And I think maybe, depending on how Mark Reynolds does this year, depends on if we have to hear the naysayers come out. You know, because he does, he does have a certain kind of value for a team. Last year, he wasn't that great at the plate. You know, his power wasn't what it, what, you know, it had been in the past. But defensively... We are not missing anything without having him on the team. Right. Any anybody, he wouldn't have won the Gold Glove. He shouldn't have won the Gold Glove. And that's really all there is to it. The Orioles, there's no way they should have picked up an 11 million option on on Mark Reynolds, which would is what it would have taken. So they had to pay him a, a half million dollar buyout to let him go. So they would have had to pay him ten and a half million dollars more this year. And he was not worth that. So no, Mark Reynolds, I liked him. I liked his laser home runs. I like that he takes walks. But for ten and a half million dollars more, no, I, I don't I don't expect to miss Mark Reynolds. And you know what? If he does well in Cleveland, except for when uh when they're playing the Orioles, more power to him. But I don't you know, I think Chris Davis at first base I think will be okay with that. So if we put all that together, Stacy Basically, neither one of us has any idea what's going to happen with the Orioles this year. I think that's pretty much, you know, par for the course for anyone who tries to talk about the Orioles right now. It's just so up in the air. And and really the entire AL East, I guess. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to think of any of these teams. I t- like, I talk to all the other team bloggers from the AL East, and you know, they know what to think about those teams, some of them. I, I don't know. Like... What's going to happen with the Blue Jays with all those new players? I don't know. Will the Yankees finally be old and infirm and basically fulfilling every fantasy I've had about the Yankees being bad for like 15 years? I don't know. Probably not. But, you know, if even if they're down to like the 83 win range, that's bad by Yankee standards. So that's enough that people might start getting fired every three weeks and I start laughing a lot. But I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with the Red Sox. Like, what if suddenly all those starters I'm afraid of suddenly start being good again? Who knows? Now that John Lackey's lost weight, what could happen with him? I don't know. I think the Red Sox could. I mean, I don't I don't think that they're going to be fantastic. But I think that if they're starting, like you said, if they're starting pitchers, if John Lester can be John Lester instead of what he was last year, if Clay Buchholz can pitch the whole season like he did at the end, you know, the second part of last year, and if John Lackey, who, you know, we make... We kind of make a lot of fun of him, but he really did have some good years before he came to Boston. Right, now that I mean, he's those... cut out the fried chicken and beer in the clubhouse, on right. I assume. So if he's healthy and kind of back to a decent, I mean, they could really, I mean, who knows what they'll do. I don't think that they would end up in first or second place, but 
They could certainly be a pain. Right. They could be the spoilers or something. Well, Camden chat readers are much more... Well, I don't want to say they're pessimistic on the Red Sox, because if they think the Red Sox will be bad, they're actually being optimistic, I would say. But um, three-fourths of people selected the under of 79.5 wins for the Red Sox. <laughs> and I mean, they could well go under that, but I don't know that I would say it's 75% likely that they will go under that. Yeah, it's hard to say. You know, they they fell apart last year, but they still have some good pieces, and... I, you know, I think just getting Bobby Valentine out of there might do more good than we expect. Yes, I, uh, I would agree with you there. It definitely seemed like they were. I mean, the, you know, the cliche is well, they quit on the manager. But if ever there was a time that applied, mm-hmm. it sure seemed like Bobby Valentine was was a guy who they quit on, and and he quit on them, and that's why he was giving interviews like this is the least talented club he's ever seen in September or something like that, like. Okay, so, you know, what's going to happen with them? I don't know. And then the Rays, like, I don't know. I'm afraid of Rays starting pitchers. They have Will Myers now. He could come up and be amazing. He could join the, you know, the Mike Trout, Bryce Harper. Everybody freaks out about him when they're rookies. Yeah, but they even, even with Will Myers, I mean, can they hit? Yeah, I don't know. Have you you seen their first baseman? I actually haven't. I don't know who it is. James Loney? Oh, is their first baseman. That's right. So, I mean, they're just, they're relying on, I mean, of course their pitching is going to be great. They're the Rays. Their pitching is going to be great. So I think they're definitely going to be in it, you know. But they're, especially if Evan Longoria gets hurt, what's their, their hitting is going to be, they lost B.J. Upton. They replaced him with Desmond Jennings, who could be good this year. He wasn't that good last year, you know. I don't, I mean, Will Myers can come up and be great, or he could need to, Adjust to the majors, you don't. There, there's just every single team in the division. You know, you could say, oh, this could happen and they'll be great, but this could happen and they'll be terrible. And it's just, I've never felt that way about every single team in the division before. It's so weird. Right, because of course, we're used to just automatically saying, well, Toronto and the Orioles, eh. and before 2008, the Rays were in the eh, category and. Now there's nobody. Like, all the teams that were previously terrible, well, the Orioles, the Orioles were great last year. And don't let ever anybody tell you otherwise, because they were great last year. Whether it was a fluke or not, the results were great. And that just throws the whole picture into chaos. And uh, it's kind of awesome, except for when you're trying to have some semblance of pretending that you know what you're talking about as a baseball commentator, uh, like you and I are attempting to do at this moment. Dude. I have no idea, no earthly idea. No, but I think that I think that a lot of people feel the same way. It's kind of like in that baseball preview that uh, Grant Brisby and Rob Nyer wrote, where they were both just like, "Well, here's here we you know here's our rankings for 2013." But really, you could just draw these names out of a hat and be probably as as successful as we're going to be because that's that's the way the AL East is this year. Yeah, and you know that's a lot better for the Orioles than. Uh... The last 10 years, so... Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, uh, that's pretty cool. So now that now that we've got all that established that uh, we, d- we don't necessarily have any way of knowing anything, we're going to nonetheless embarrass ourselves, or potentially embarrass ourselves, and offer some Speak for predictions for the upcoming season. Now, just, just to give you an idea of what I mean, 
when I'm talking about embarrassing ourselves. We're going to give one, we're going to guess at the Orioles record, and then we're going to guess at the playoff teams, and then the teams that will make the World Series, and then the ultimate World Series winner. So, um, and, and one thing we did last year that we were so embarrassed by that we're not going to do it again is we had kind of a who would be the surprise player, which didn't work out so well for us. Now, since Andrew's not here to defend himself, I'm going to pick on his things the first. For instance, Andrew's surprise player pick was Tommy Hunter, which, uh, you know, whatever. And Andrew, <laughs> Andrew predicted the Orioles would have a 71-91 and 91 record, and Andrew predicted that the, the, the World Series would be the Rays against the Brewers with the Rays emerging victorious. So, you know, it's... Uh, you got to take it all with a grain of salt. And my, my prediction last year, of course, my famous 70 and 92 was the win-loss record prediction. So, you know, I was only off by 23, and I had a World Series of the Marlins versus the Angels. <laughs> <laughs> with the Marlins winning. What was I doing? Good call, Mark. What well, hey, I everybody doing? thought they were going to be good last uh, year. If I remember right, I had some kind of... Joke scenario where the world's where the the walk off in Game Seven would be like John Carlos Stanton hitting a home run off of the Marlin sculpture thing, the Marlinstrosity, um, and then the world would end according to the Mayan prophecies. Man, that was a weird thing, and that's already forgotten. Anyway, well, Stacy, not to not to let Stacy be immune from being made fun of, but she actually had the the least wrong win loss prediction because she said they'd have 75 wins against 87 Woo. losses. So. Stacy was only off by 18. Well, I remember I was the big optimist. You were the optimist out of the three of us. Yeah. And then, uh, and, and, and by midseason, I also listened to our All-Star Break podcast, and I think you were still the optimist, and you said they'd have 79 wins. And I said they'd have 77 wins, and Andrew said they would have 78 wins. Go me. So that was, a, that was our All-Star Break 2012. And Stacy's World Series last year was the Angels and the Brewers with the Angels winning. Why did Andrew write like the Brewers so I don't know. Much? I picked them to win the Central, too, and I don't know why. I don't know. We probably just didn't want to pick the Cardinals. I, I don't like the Cardinals. I'm sick of the Cardinals. Yeah, the Cardinals can. And the Yankees of the National League. Well. But nice. Yeah. But, they're, oh, they're so nice. The best fan base in baseball. Eh, whatever. Yeah. That's me barfing, because I'm sick of hearing that. Anyway. So, so how many wins are the Orioles going to have this year? I'll throw mine out there first. I rate at this moment, and uh, I might have given a different answer when we started recording, and I might give a different answer tomorrow. I right at this moment, I'm just going to say I think it will be 83 and 81. I just feel like some of the things that went right last year won't, and some of the things will go better, and that's probably where it will maybe even add up. And uh, you know what? It beats the heck out of trying to avoid a 100-loss season, even if it's not exactly uh, I get to go to playoff games in October. So you're predicting a winning season, but just barely. Just barely winning season is my okay. prediction. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what do you want to throw out there for the Orioles? Well, I'm not good at math, so I'm not going to tell you how many games they're going to lose. But I think they're going to win 94 games this year. Are you serious? I think they're going to win one more game this year than they won last year. You're not screwing around with me here. You really are predicting that? At this that? moment in time, I am feeling confident that the Orioles will win. I mean, maybe not, not over 90. I'm going to say 94, but my real thing is over 90. You're starting the year out in Dan O'Hareville. I mean, what else can I do? How could I turn my back on them now? I am, I am amazed. I thought you were going to say something in the mid-80s. 
Maybe I would have when we started the podcast, as you said. I guess. Never, did did I talk you into it? I don't know. I don't know. Something about when we just talking about all everything that could go right. I just started thinking everything could go right. It could. I could. I'm not. I'm not saying it's impossible. It just doesn't feel like the most likely scenario to me. But you know what? Like if you would have asked me before last year, if you would have said, "Man, they could have 83 wins this year," I would have said, "Yes, that's amazing." End the end the consecutive losing season streak. Which now that that's over, I'm very happy. I was mm. I was so tired of that being thrown in our yeah. faces all the time. Sorry, pirates. Sorry, pirates. The Fighting Andrews. Maybe this will be their year. So Stacy Stacy is on the record here. One win better than last year, which is 94 wins against 68 losses. And you know what? That would be awesome. That means mark it down. That means uh, that means more standing room only playoff tickets for me. I'm really setting myself up for ridicule this time next year on the podcast. Well, you know what, Stacey? We got ridiculed for our predictions last year. We might as well get ridiculed for being overly optimistic than than being overly pessimistic, I guess. Okay. Now let's throw out there our playoff teams. And and I was talking about this with Stacey before we were recording. Most of these I just – I don't know. Like I don't care enough about divisions that aren't the AL East. And the AL East, I just – I have no idea. So my playoff teams are the division-winning Toronto Blue Jays, which I know is kind of the trendy pick, and I was leaning towards not picking them just because they're the trendy pick. But then if I picked them because they were – if I didn't pick them because they were trendy, that would be as stupid as picking them because they were trendy. So you know what? I just – I feel like eventually one of these teams that's just gets like the dream team acquisitions in the offseason is going to pay off. So that's why I'm saying Blue Jays. And then – uh the Tigers underachieved last year and still won the Central. And there's some, you know, there's some crappy teams in the Central. Well, maybe the Indians will be better, but probably not. Maybe the Royals will be better, but probably not. And the White Sox, you know, whatever. And uh, am I forgetting a team there? Twins. Twins. But, oh, the Royals. No, you said the Royals. I did say Twins. the Royals. I forgot about the Twins. The, yeah, well... You might as well forget about right. it. They're not, they're not going to be the team to break up the, the competition there. And uh, the West, and again, you know what? The Angels buying everything in sight has to pay off eventually, so maybe this year. With wildcard teams of the Rangers and the Rays. Okay. And for the National League, I'm going to go with the division winners being the Nationals. And I don't, I, that pains me to pick them. Stacey, it really, it does. I don't want I them to win. I don't want them to be. Feel for you. I don't. But it just seems like it's got to happen. I mean, uh, it just—it's just what it feels like on paper. And of course, who knows? But I, like, I would—I couldn't—I couldn't justify picking anything else. And then for the Central, the Reds. I don't—I don't even know why, really. Just because I don't like any of those other teams, and I don't—I don't hate the Reds, I guess. And then for the West, the Giants, because Sabi saves with his magic, whatever of having. Terrible veterans and still wins the World Series. I don't know how he does it, but I'm not going to doubt him. I'm just, I, I'm not going to. So maybe they win the, the West. With a National League wild card, I'm going to say the Braves again. And uh, you know what? For Andrew out there, I'm going to say the Pirates will finally win one, and they'll be, the, they'll be a wild card team. Hmm. That's just, so that's that's just for Andrew. Okay. Okay. Well, you know what? For most. A great deal of last season, they looked like they were going to be in the playoffs. 
What, so, what happened I don't think it's a terrible last pick. year is what I feared would ultimately happen to the Orioles, and it never Yes. Happened. I just kept waiting for it, and it but it never happened. happened. Okay. So out of those teams, I'm going to pick a World Series of Angels versus Nationals that will be won by the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, Orange County, California, Earth, Seoul. Okay. Forgot the United States of America in there. I'm very embarrassed. I'm just going to stop talking now. Stacy, throw out your playoff teams. All right. So for the playoff teams, I'm going to go division winners of the Rays, Tigers, and the Angels. I agree with you that... The Angels' money machine has got to, you know, it's got, I mean, Josh Hamilton. Right, and I mean, I mean three years from now, they may regret Josh Hamilton. Right, but, I don't but, think but this, so year. this year, Josh Hamilton, I mean, of course, he doesn't cost a lot of money, but Mike mm-hmm. Trout, they just have, I mean, our Pujols, they're just throwing money, and, uh, and I think it's going to pay off. So I'm going to go Angels, and then my wild card teams are going to be the Orioles in second place with 94 wins. All right. And the... Hmm. I guess I'll go Oakland. I think Texas might miss out this year. They almost missed out last year. They almost did. So I'm going to say Oakland. All right. I think that I like the idea of both the Orioles and the A's proving that they weren't flukes. Although you don't really hear about people talking about the A's being flukes, which is kind of rude. Yeah. So. Yeah, what's that about? Like everyone thought the A's were going to be terrible, and then they were great, and suddenly the A's are just great. What's that? What is that about? It's Billy Bean. I blame Billy Bean. You know, I read Moneyball over the off season, and that was a pretty good book. I just want to say that. But uh, you're welcome to the party. I know, I know. I was a little late. I was a little <laughs> late. I finally got around to reading Moneyball, but um, it was it was actually I, interesting to have read it so much later than everything else, mm-hmm. and with the context of the 2012 season having happened, mm-hmm. because you know here he's got this grand plan. And that's great, and maybe that's why he was able to pull off the 2012 season again. And, and I just read that, and I was like, so what do you say about the 2012 Orioles? How did that happen? Some like, I wish I could write a book about the 2012 Orioles, and that would be awesome, just to find out what happened. Like the money ball, the, the Duquette ball, I don't know. I don't know what we would call it. I don't know, but... but so National League. National League. Nats... Well, I'm picking all the same teams as you. Nats, Reds, Giants. That's the same as you, right? That's yeah. What I'm picking. You know what? I might. You might have been the one to put Reds in my head because I don't know how else I would have picked Central team. Sorry about that. And for my, my for my wild card teams, I'm going to pick the also bloated payroll Dodgers. They are pouring enough money in, and the you got to go with the. Then you got to go with the Braves again. I go with the Braves again. Yeah. I just don't think any of the central teams. Like, I think, I think it could be St. Louis, but like you, I don't want to pick them. No, it's no so, fun to pick the Cardinals. Like, I don't really like the Braves either. No. but you know, so yeah, I'm gonna say Braves and Dodgers as my wild card teams. We only have one, I think, one difference in the National yeah, League. Yeah, we have four out of five the same on the National League. Three out of five the same on the American League. Well, you know, there's a reason they're the good teams. What can you do? Right. Okay, so out of the out of that, what kind of World Series? Do you currently, at this moment in time, March 30, Nats, 2013? Nat, I think the Nats are going to be in the World Series, and you said that's what you said too. And I think that that once again they're going the, the pathetic Detroit Tigers are going to make it to the World Series only to lose. Because you know why they're in the AL Central and they're just going to skate in, and then they're going to make it to the World Series, and then they're going to lose, just like they did last year. 
Stacy, like, you know what? There was the it was the most frustrating thing about the playoffs after the Orioles had lost, and then I was watching the Yankees just completely pathetic and futile. Oh, so the Tigers, and I was nope. just like, oh my God, the Orioles would have done better than this, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even a crazy thing to think. And no, then the Yan- and then watching the Tigers oh. go against the Giants and do the exact same thing. Yeah. It was the American League contagious suck that started with the Rangers in the wild card game. They gave it to the Orioles, who gave it to the Yankees, who gave it to the Tigers. The Orioles and the Yankees were suffering from a concert. Yeah, they were mutual. Freaking slicky. Raleigh Banya's game. Raleigh Banya's. I'm going to curse his name for the rest of my life, much like I curse the name of Jeffrey Mayer. And and that was that was really weird. And and also kind of cool, but also frustrating. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if that happened again either. And like, I just feel like whatever team wins the AL Central is just going to skate into the World Series, and then they don't even really – they're not even as good as the teams. Although the thing is, the Tigers have good players. They have a lot of good players. so underachieved last year. You, mm-hmm. you have Justin Verlander, Prince Fielder, Miguel Cabrera. That's three guys on your team, mm-hmm. and you just – 88 wins. And this year, Victor Martinez is going to be back. Victor Martinez will be back. And they even had pretty good seasons from the likes of Max Scherzer and Doug Fister starting pitching. And they just, like, 88 wins. Yeah, they, yeah, they almost didn't. I mean, Chicago had to kind of collapse right. Chicago for Detroit to, get in. Detroit to get in. That's... So even though they have all those good players, they it's not like they, you know, they certainly didn't run the board the way people expected them to. And so... I just feel like of course, the it just seems to me like the playoffs. Nobody really knows what they're gonna do. Yeah, it just seems the playoffs to me always feature, almost always feature teams that you don't think should have made it all the way, and so that's why I chose them. Yeah. So uh, we'll find out how wrong we are, and maybe in a really awesome world, it'll be uh, even longer this season where we do the postmortem. Well, actually, we didn't do the postmortem until December last year because I was too depressed. But um, you know, maybe maybe the season will end even later, and maybe there won't be a postmortem. Maybe there won't be any depressed postmortem because the Orioles will win the World Series. That would be the best of all worlds. And the entire podcast after the Orioles win the World Series will just be us being like, Whoa! it'll basically be like the, the podcast equivalent of this New York picture. We get posted on Camden Chat sometimes. And we'll just get the whole world to have to accept that the Orioles were not only good for two straight years, but won the World Series in one of those two years. You know what? I, th- I think I just shed a tear just um, just imagining getting to do that. That would be uh, that would be pretty awesome. I don't think that's going to happen, but you know what? It's possible. Last year, I would literally have not even believed it possible the Orioles made the playoffs. No chance. I don't expect them to, but I'm not going to sit here and say there's no way it could ever happen. Well, we learned last year that it could. I know. <laughs> we did. The impossible, is, in my mind, ended up being possible. And you know what? That was pretty cool. So opening day is on Tuesday. It'll be the day after you're all listening to this. The Orioles open in Tampa Bay again, and I don't know what that's about. I, it's uh, it's frustrating. They should open in Baltimore, man. And, and the reason, or at least mix it up a little bit. The reason why I, I always like it if the Orioles are at home on opening day is because there's something about being zero and zero when you have your first game. Right. I would always like for the Orioles to start at home and like the way that they used to before the Nationals existed. Yeah. But I also really do love the home opener on a Friday where I don't have to go to work the next day. That's that's pretty nice. Well, that is happening. You're right. 
So that's something everybody out there can look forward to, I guess. But as far as what's going to happen in the 2013 season, well, I don't know. Stacy doesn't know. None of you know. Nobody knows. But sometimes it's kind of our our job to to make a guess anyway, and that's our best guess at this moment. So Stacy says the Nationals win the World Series. I say the Angels most likely will both be wrong because that's the way these things go. And uh, the only question for all of us to wait and see is what the right answer will end up being when the season ends. But based on everything we know right now, that was our best guess. And uh, who knows? I don't know. I'm already thinking, man, I should have changed my answer, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm gonna stick my guns. Even though I, I've been vast. Your answer about the Orioles? Yeah. As, as You're feeling as Orioles guilty because you picked them to barely win. <laughs> I do. You should feel I do that feel more. a little guilty. I do. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it, but that's just what it seemed like. And and they could very well make me look foolish again this year, and that would be great. That would be beyond excellent. That's the best kind of foolish that you could hope to have. That's absolutely you know? right. It couldn't be any better than that. So. Uh, I don't know. I feel like we've talked about everything, so I don't know if you have a final thought you, that we haven't really talked about, Stacy. if you want to throw something out here. The only thing that I can think of or think about is the fact that in a couple of days we're going to be watching the Orioles play baseball, and this has been the longest offseason of my life. Despite the fact <laughs> that the Orioles' last season went one week longer than it typically does, it has been the longest offseason, maybe because they did nothing. Mm-hmm. They did nothing, and usually at the end of every season I'm just like, so maybe a week before the season's over, I think, oh, I cannot wait for the season to be over because I need a break. They did. And this year, I did not need a break. Did not need a break. And, and <laughs> so, Stacy and I had to blog about that nothing through the off season. And I know, cry, cry you a river, I'm sure, but it is a challenge uh, to to uh, find something to say when there's nothing going on at all. Yes. And so, just I'm just very excited that the season is starting. So maybe maybe this season will finally go even even longer. That would be cool. Yes. My final thought doesn't really have so much to do with the Orioles, but I just thought it was funny. In our in our preseason prediction contest, one of the questions was total questions right. Will it be Stacy or will it be Eatmore SK? And uh, it turns out Stacy voted for me and I voted for Stacy. And overall there were two hundred forty four responses submitted. One hundred twenty two people selected Stacy and one hundred twenty two people selected me. That's insane. So I, I don't even think if we had the question be Will we flip this coin and will it be heads or tails? I don't even think that would have come out 50-50. But Stacy versus Eatmore SK came out 50-50. So you know what? I'm okay with that, Stacy. Yeah, me too. Half half the people think you, half the people think me, and I'm okay. And, and I thought Stacy, and Stacy thought me. But hey, that's why it was fun. We'll see. We'll see who's right. We one of us or the other could win the contest based on that question. <laughs> That would be pretty funny. But anyway, that's all we have for tonight. So that's been our, our 2013 season preview edition. And we'll find out sometime in October, hopefully later in October, or perhaps even November. We'll find out how wrong we ended up being. It's, or if, how right. If it's November, it's going to be more how, how right Stacy was and how wrong I was. And I'd be okay with that. Because as, as I found out last year, when you're pessimistic about the Orioles and they win, it's pretty good to be wrong. So, for now, that is all we have. So, for Stacy Long, I am Mark Brown, and we are bringing you Camden Cast. This is Birdland, and we are out.